By listening to the Conscious Fertility Podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician or healthcare provider for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Welcome to Conscious Fertility, the show that listens to all of your fertility questions so that you can move from fear and suffering to peace of mind and joy. My name is Lauren Brown. I'm a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and a clinical hypnotherapist. I'm on a mission to explore all the paths to peak fertility and joyful living. It's time to learn how to be and receive so that you can create life on purpose. I want to welcome Dr. Helene Wabe. Um, she's the Director of Research at the Institute of Noetic Sciences. She's an adjunct assistant professor in the Department of Neurology at Oregon Health and Science University and president of the Parapsychological Association. Now, Dr. Wabe is clinically trained as a naturopathic physician and research trained with a Master of Clinical Research and two postdoctoral research fellowships. She has published on and spoken internationally about her studies on complementary and alternative medicine, mind-body medicine, extended human capacities, stress, post-traumatic stress disorder, and the relationship to physiology, health, and healing. This is why I wanted to have Dr. Wabe with us to talk about consciousness and how this impacts reproductive health. She's especially known, actually, for her research around and the noetic approach to channeling. So we're going to talk about that as well. Dr. Lenny Wabe, thank you for joining us on the Conscious Fertility Podcast. Such a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. Now, in your bio, I read that you're the Director of Research at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, IONS. So can we start with what is IONS and how did it start and what its mission is before we get into the whole fertility talk? Absolutely. So IONS is the acronym for the Institute of Noetic Sciences, and it was actually founded by Edgar Mitchell, who was an Apollo 14 astronaut, and he was the sixth person to walk on the moon. Coming home from the moon, he had this incredible transcendent experience that had him feel that he was interconnected to everything. So he came back to earth and said, I need to study this. I need to figure out what this interconnectedness is. So IONS has been doing this work for 50 years, exploring interconnectedness through science and direct experience. And so one of the reasons I was interested in having you um, share your experiences because of your, your background in being and publish on alternative medicine, the mind-body connection, human capacities, post-traumatic stress. We have women that basically have fertility trauma through miscarriages or failed cycles or failed IVF cycles. Now, I know you're a proponent of consciousness and we're going to go there, hence this is the Conscious Fertility Podcast. I need to be transparent to my listeners, you're aware of this, that the reason I'm I want to host this is I believe that through conscious work, it can have an impact on the physiology of women, which can help influence or optimize their fertility. And also, I think our planet needs this. If we are made up of conscious individuals, then we'll have less of an inclination to go to war with each other and damage Mother Earth. I have this vision of conscious fertility to conscious conception to conscious parenting, and these children being brought up by conscious parents will have that attachment they need and grow up to be whole and complete adult. So in one generation, we can heal the planet. I would love you to talk a little bit about consciousness and what is the science of consciousness and why it's important. And feel free, because you're a naturopathic physician as well, to tie this into fertility and reproductive health as you share what is the science of consciousness and why you think it's important. 
Thank you so much. That's such a great question and a huge question. We could do a multiple week series just on that specific one. You touched on something that I want to mention first is this whole idea of consciousness, our mind, and how it affects the physical body. So when I was first getting my naturopathic medicine degree, this whole idea of psychoneuroimmunology was still so new. The idea that our mental state, our emotions influenced our physical health was like bizarre. Today, you know, 25 plus years later, it's just common knowledge that our mind, our thought, our mood, our emotions influence our physical health. So anyone dealing with a physical health condition, if they want a holistic health plan, needs to evaluate where their mental and emotional states are at. And so why? And that leads to this other question about consciousness. What is consciousness? Why is it important? And why is it relevant to our physical health? So at IONS, we kind of jokingly talk about little C and big C. So little C consciousness is essentially, am I awake or asleep? You know, it's what the neurologists look at, the neuroscientists, how do we uh, evaluate people under anesthesia, what's going on with them, different sleep states, etc. That's little C consciousness. What we're really excited about at IONS is what we call big C consciousness. So this is the consciousness that extends beyond our physical brain that can tap into intuitive wisdom that we can't possibly know from our traditional five senses. So many people have the experience of gut hunches or intuitive hunches where you suddenly have knowledge that you couldn't possibly know in any other way. So these intuitive experiences are actually incredibly common. In fact, 80 to 90% of the people that we've polled have had these type of noetic experiences and noetic means inner wisdom. And I propose that everyone has the capacity to have these experiences. So how does that connect to consciousness? So this intuitive wisdom that goes beyond our personal selves, I believe is an aspect of this larger consciousness. So I've just given you multiple layers of how the mental, how intention affects our physical bodies and our health, right? There's the personal mental thoughts, emotions, and then it goes beyond that into the broader and our kind of interconnected whole and how that also affects us individually. And you mentioned beginning this psychoneural immunology. So you, how your thoughts and emotions affect your hormones, your nervous system. So tying this into reproductive health then, and this idea of consciousness, we understand and you understand from your, your medical background that your thoughts will impact your nervous system. If you're having negative thoughts, you can have stress hormones. It'll affect your blood pressure, divert blood from your reproductive system, more inflammation in the body. Good thoughts um, and emotions can lead to, I guess, indirectly bringing blood flow back to the reproductive system and having good hormones like serotonin, dopamine, and oxytocin. So basically turning on and off gene expression for longevity and health. So this idea of consciousness, you 
in your work are researching, I believe, healers. I know you've been involved in research and you guys are starting to research healers. So I want to take this to that holistic level, but not so much somebody that's taking a supplement maybe, but even some of the stuff that's not widely accepted. Are you guys studying or have you studied any of the energy type healers or healers through intention or healers doing conscious work with patients? Are you able to measure a shift or a change? Are you ever are you starting to see things that are considered outside our understanding of how we understand the medical paradigm today? Yes, that's the short answer. Absolutely. So there have been numerous studies looking at various energy medicine practitioners. So energy medicine, you know, there are many different forms, but there is the belief that there's a channeling of energy into whatever the recipient is. These studies have been done in cells, in vitro, in plants, in animals, in humans, multiple different targets of this directed positive healing intention. And there have been meta-analyses where they pool all the data from these studies, and there is a positive significant effect showing that my intention, if I direct it to someone, will create a positive change in them. Now, the effect is small, but it is there. And in our current model, we wouldn't expect to see anything. So, I think this is quite remarkable. We also have just finished a couple of studies with Reiki practitioners and saw positive improvements. Now, this is a little different because it's someone else directing their positive intention towards you, which is great. And you can seek out multiple practitioners to try this out yourself and see if it works for you. And there's absolutely growing evidence for it to improve quality of life, pain, mental health systems, etc. But what about your positive healing intention towards yourself. If you have a specific health goal and it's not being achieved for whatever reason, and mentally you're thinking, this sucks, it's not working, it's never going to get better, and there's all this sort of negative intention that's being generated, then I mean, we actually haven't really done any studies on negative intention and if it creates a negative effect, but I would propose that it certainly doesn't help. Well, we've seen that in some medical research with drugs on nocebo, right? That's they, right. So mm -hmm. we do see that the body will manifest symptoms if they think they got a drug that has a certain side effect, even though they have not. And this is beyond positive thinking or negative thinking. This is there, there's more going on here with this consciousness is what I'm thinking or I'm understanding. Like some of the patients I see when we do conscious work, there's no benefit to feel guilty or shame. Oh, I have a negative thought. It's not that simple. It's more, um, or I'm asking you, because I see it as a subconscious program. Like there's these programs and beliefs that you're running that you inherited. You didn't choose them. You kind of were born into them and your parents did the best they could, but you kind of came into this planet with these, these programs and you kind of experienced life through this. However, as an adult, you have the ability, there are energy psychology type tools that you can use to transform and shift these programs so you are having more of a positive feeling vibration frequency in your body. Is this what you've been seeing in your research and in, in your practices? I haven't done a formal study on it, but I do see this. In fact, I have a big section of it in, in my book because our personality or our ego or whatever you want to call it, this construct, human construct, that's just one small aspect 
of our consciousness was designed to keep us safe, right? And it is developed as a child. Now, those patterns that I developed as a child that my ego thought would keep me safe may not be functional for me as an adult, as I can take care of myself. And if those patterns are unconscious and I'm not aware of them, then they can influence my behavior and influence my thinking in an unconscious way. So one invitation that I offer my readers is if they want to develop their capacity for intuitive wisdom and accessing their intuitive wisdom to embark on some sort of personal growth path process. There's so many different methods out there to clear, heal, resolve any of these kind of childhood, ancestral, etc. patterns that may be part of their personal ego personality. I have found in, in my practice, my observation, so I don't have personal data on this, uh, research data, is a lot of these, I call them tools, techniques, and gimmicks, they somehow get you into the present moment, these tools. And when you're in the present moment, that's when you can have this transformation. That's where you can get out of the program. It's kind of paradoxical, Helene, because when you finally surrender to accepting to what is, you're not resigned to it, but you're, you're accepting that this is what is right now. The paradox is that's when you can change. That's when you can shift, when you fully surrender to it. And there seems to be something in that power of now. And some people say your brain goes into alpha brain waves when you're in this detached, relaxed state of the present moment. And there's a powerful state that lets you tap into consciousness and shift. What is this big C consciousness? I've heard people talk about this, you know, where when your whole brain, you, you're kind of accessing your whole, it's like your, your own hard drive. When you're stressed out and you're really anxious, you're in the amygdala, like in this reptilian brain. So you're totally in reactive survival mode. If you can get whole brain, then you have access to the whole hard drive. So you have access to creativity and you can access super consciousness, which I think you're calling big C. And uh, a neuroscientist, uh, Julie Bolt-Taylor, um, yeah. you know, she, her latest book, Whole Brain Living, but she talks about the left and right brain. And her idea was uh, using that metaphor of the computer, you have access to your brain. That's the computer. That's great. You got a lot. Of, it's a pretty cool computer. But can you imagine if you're hooked up to the internet? Right. And now you have access to all that data. And I think that's what you're calling big C. And we have, we're not going to go right there yet, but we are going to talk about channeling. And I'm curious if that's what you're doing when you're channeling is if you're, you're hooked up to the internet, you got your Wi-Fi connected. So uh, I'm just wondering, do you have a sense of what big C is? Um, because I hear so much about it and I know people have experienced it, but I'm just wondering, do we have a sense of it? Is there this idea in the scientific community and new science community that there is something beyond ourselves and that we're part of that they're calling currently consciousness? There are numerous philosophers and theorists now that are pushing on this idea that consciousness is fundamental, that it really is kind of the grounded base of reality. And I'm not a theorist or a philosopher, so I can speak in a very limited way of what that looks like. What's fascinating to me is many of them relate consciousness essentially to information. It's essentially bits of information that is the most basic unit 
of what everything is made of. And there's a wonderful book by Jude Curvin called The Cosmic Hologram that gets into that, that the universe is all information. She ties together all these incredible cosmological and quantum physics and all these various pieces for a model of the universe. So many people also talk about it as a field. I don't know if it really is a field from the physics sense, but it feels like a field. And I know my personal experience of it is a feeling of complete bliss and unconditional love. So when I go into a you know meditative state and enter into that transcendent oneness state, my body feels more dissolved and I just feel this incredible sense of bliss and unconditional love and that everything is okay, will always be okay, always was okay. So I don't know if I've answered your question the way you wanted me to. It's a little (laughs) bit of the big picture and a little bit of the personal. But the short answer is we don't know, really. We really don't know. I'd say at least 100 different theories of what consciousness is right now that's floating out there. And in fact, IONS is having a contest, probably starting in the new year, that is asking theorists to submit their theory of consciousness that is testable because everyone says, oh, I have this theory. Oh, I have this theory. I have this theory, but they, they can't really test them. So we're trying to collate testable theories of consciousness to see if we can answer your exact question. Like many things we experience or know they work before we know how or why. And it seems like this whole consciousness connecting into consciousness, people are developing tools and systems and methods to get into that. I call it that present moment, but to connect to consciousness um, and experience, as you call that bliss. I had a random event that happened to me where I went into that state. That's what's put me, really motivated me on the path where I felt the love connected, everything's okay. It was just the most incredible feeling. I don't know how it happened. It just happened. It lasted, um, I was told people that witnessed it 15 minutes and um, I've been trying to get it back ever since. (laughs) (laughs) I have a little tiny, but not to the degree that was, that was just amazing. So, and I've heard other people talk about it, which is why sometimes I have doubt. Like, I'm like, okay, I've gone crazy. Like, look what I'm, look what I'm reading. Look what I'm talking about. This is crazy. This is embarrassing. I'm going to get canceled. Uh, But then I go, wait a minute. I had an experience. And so I can't ignore that experience. That was quite incredible. Absolutely. So that's why, you know, at IONS, we really talk about the science with the direct experience, because I can talk until I'm blue in the face about this study and that study and this evidence and that evidence. But if someone hasn't had the experience, sometimes it's hard for them to really grasp that and vice versa. If they have an experience that feels overwhelming without the context, it can be quite scary And the science can provide a context for people to feel more comfortable with it. So you've written two books that I'm aware of, maybe more to date, but you had Free to Be Me, A Journey of Transformation Through Generational Healing, and The Science of Channeling, Why You Should Trust Your Intuition and Embrace the Force That Connects Us All, which I'm assuming could be a little bit about consciousness, connects us all. Yes. We're going to go out there a little bit to our listeners. So some people may be uncomfortable with this, but- Helena and I agree that, you know what, there's a lot of anomalies and things that don't fit in the paradigm. And uh, 
we're just like, you know what, let's just be open and start to have these discussions. And so I'm aware, I think you're involved with researchers or people that are looking at channeling and people trying to communicate to fetuses and pregnant women. I just want you to re- let go and tell us what what you're up to, what this is all about. Sure, absolutely. So yes, many people, when they hear the word channeling, they think of a very specific phenomenon. I am actually uh, use a very broad definition of channeling, which is essentially the process of accessing information and energy that's not limited by space and time, and that can appear receptive or expressive. So what does that mean exactly? It's essentially the various phenomenon that I've been speaking of already, these intuitive gut hunches, this kind of inner wisdom, these light bulb moments that come to you in terms of the most common. And then on the other side, you have things like mediumship, where people believe that they can have conversations with deceased humans or other non-physical beings or trance channeling, which is a sub-phenomenon of channeling. And trance channelers believe that their body is used as a communication device by apparent non-physical beings. So the non-physical being is supposedly speaking through them. And in between that spectrum, you have things like knowing the future or having a precognitive dream or clairvoyance or remote viewing, where you can tune into a, a place halfway across the world and be able to actually get information about it. We should let people know that that's actually been studied with reproducible data where people can do some of these things like this remote viewing, because some people are like, oh, that sounds silly. They've tested this. Absolutely. I mean, most of the things that I'm mentioning to you right now have multiple studies that have been done in the lab and in daily life. The remote viewing is quite fascinating and one of, has some of the strongest evidence. It was actually conducted by the U.S. military for decades, and they were training soldiers to essentially be psychic spies, to tune into you know, various Russian military sites to get a sense of what was going on there. Today, it's used to predict the stock market, to find missing people, to find archaeological sites. It is a very real phenomenon that can be used for practical purposes and has been vetted and replicated in the lab. Well, at the time of this recording, the stock market's not doing well. So I would like to look back to the people from a year or two ago and see what they predicted at this time (laughs) of our our recording. (laughs) So when it comes to fertility, like I'm thinking of when you talk about this channeling, and it sounds like when I was mentioning, like you get to this place, um, use tools, meditations, and it's kind of like you're able to, it's like the internet, you're connecting to um, the cloud where you can download and, and tap into other information. And I'm assuming people can benefit on many ways for this. You talked about the stock market, but health and other things. I'm curious what you've seen with these women that are pregnant and doing something with while they're pregnant with their fetus fetuses, right? That's what you were sharing earlier off camera. Can yes. you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, I can share a little bit more about that. And then I'd love to share kind of just more general advice. So we're doing a very unique study right now. It's a collaboration with a researcher in Switzerland. She initiated the project and reached out to collaborate with us. She was very curious to see if mediums could connect not with a deceased person, but with the fetus 
of the pregnant woman. So we did a study where mediums were actually tuning in and they had approximately 10 different questions to ask the fetus. The medium did not know the mothers. Um, They didn't have any history about them. They didn't know what gestational period they were at or anything. And they would tune into the fetus and ask, uh, what are your parents' names? At what gestational stage are you? Um, What was your process before you got to where you were now? Uh, Information about the parents. So we're currently, we've completed data collection and are currently analyzing all those transcripts and we'll eventually publish that paper. It was a little bit of a controversial uh, study for me to even embark on just because of the pro-choice question and this whole question of, you know, when does the fetus have a consciousness? When is it actually conscious and aware? Is it actually within the body of the fetus or is the consciousness of this new being that's going to be birthed kind of hanging out next to the pregnant woman? We don't know. I mean, there's so many questions around this area. So that's why it's a bit of a a controversial study. You could add, does the consciousness even get attached to that physical body? You know, like, like, like like you drive a car, you're not your car. Right. So if somebody told your car away, you may be a little upset, but you get another one, right? Right. And, you know, there's multiple traditions that have different beliefs about when the soul comes into the actual body of the baby. So anyway, it's, it's a really interesting study. So getting away from political or religious views <laughs> on this, um, have you, do you have any data at this time that you can share since you're analyzing or any, any observations from the study that, that you're aware of that would be interesting to our listeners? And then we'll go back to more about channeling. And basically, my understanding is the general idea of tapping into this consciousness for, for your benefit. Sure. I mean, the very minimal piece I can give the audience is that the mediums were able to accurately describe specific information through that process. So that was quite fascinating. And then there's also the question, and this is true of mediumship with deceased humans, is are they really connecting to the fetus or to the deceased human, or are they somehow picking this up in some other psychic way? So there's a lot to, to be explored there. In terms of general advice about channeling and using channeling for health, for fertility, for things like that, I find it to be an incredible tool to support people in decision-making and to get aligned with where their path should be going for their highest and best in any particular moment. So just as a very, very simple example, once people start practicing channeling, even if it's just five minutes a day, that getting still, getting quiet, going internally, asking a question of yourself with the intention to get an answer that will support you. I mean, you can use that to decide what foods are good for you at any particular time. Let's say, you know, I have, I've been getting a rash. I don't know what the rash is from. I think it might be from, you know, eating too many potatoes. I can go into a channeling session and and tune in and say, Hey, is it in my highest and best to be eating potatoes? And then you tune into the response that you get. And each person, because they are individual that shows up for them in a different way. 
Some people might get a clench in their stomach and that's how they know it's a no. Other people might see images or they might hear something. The way that the channeling shows up for each of us is quite unique. And we actually at IONS call that the noetic signature. So that's a very simple example in terms of discerning what is in your highest and best to support your physical and mental, emotional, et cetera, health. Another interesting piece that your audience might be interested in, when we start talking about consciousness, there are some theories that everything has consciousness. So you can imagine that your ovaries have a consciousness, your uterus has a consciousness, and you can, through a visualization process, go into dialogue with them. Hey, how are you doing? What's going on? What do you need? Is there anything that you need? How can I support you? And actually be in this dialogue with the organs of your, of your body. I think that's a, a quite fascinating and incredible process that I've actually personally played with myself. I like, we got to talk a little bit more about this. I like this a lot. I, on one of my um, podcasts, I have Kiss Your Ovaries, and it came from a gratitude practice where I heard of a psychologist, a positive psychologist talk about kiss your brain because she had brain cancer. So rather than going from the victim negative side, she was able to get into what she's grateful for and even grateful for her body, including her brain, which at that time had brain cancer. And so we started incorporating that into kiss your ovaries. Can you be grateful and appreciate what your body's done for your ovaries. This is reminding me of that. I want us to go a little deeper in this. So do you talk about these tips and tools for channeling or having these relationships in your books that people can follow up with? And can you just off the cuff, just talk about a little bit more about that? Because it sounds like rather than feeling separate and, and not trusting or your ovaries have let you down or your uterus has let you down, you are suggesting to take up a relationship and that unconditional love for self is to work with your ovaries and come alongside it, almost parent those ovaries and say, what can I do to support you? What can I do to help you? Absolutely. So can you talk a little bit more on that? Yes. I have a whole chapter in my book about how to learn how to channel and to have it support you in your life. I'm definitely not a proponent of there's only one way. It's really about discovering your own personal path to tapping into your inner wisdom. So I invite you all to check that out so you can learn in very simple ways how to integrate that into your daily life. In terms of connecting with the various parts of our our bodies, it's a personal growth practice I've been doing for a very long time. And I imagine it comes a little bit from hypnotherapy models and also shamanic traditions And it's become a Helene hybrid, if you will, about just engaging in that conversation. And I feel comfortable sharing with your audience. I'm almost 50. I'll be 50 in November, actually. I have a 22-year-old son and a nine-year-old son. So I had my first son when I was 27 and my second when I was 40. And that big gap was really intense. You know, there were multiple moments in that choosing to be a mother where I had to tap into my inner wisdom to decide, is this in my highest and best right now? Is this really what I want to do? The process to become pregnant with my second 
child took a really long time. And there was a lot of trepidation about should I or shouldn't I? And how long is it going to take? And it's taking so long. And I really depended on that inner wisdom to cultivate patience, persistence, and this surrender, if you will, because there was nothing that I could force in that. And all I could do is to continually be present with where I was in that moment in a continuous place of curiosity and inquiry with what my body needed. And also this aspect of time outside of time. So just because Helene said she wanted to be pregnant in May, so babies do it this time, et cetera, doesn't mean that it's going to unfold in that way. And I don't mean to be trite about this at all, but I'm trying to give a simple example for how me personally and many other people that I talk to want to kind of orchestrate everything. (laughs) And sometimes when we let go is when it just opens up in a much more beautiful way. And then I'll finally just share that my own health journey, I found that I had a very large cyst on my ovary and I ended up having to have my ovary removed. And so there was this whole process that I went through of talking to my organs, talking to my ovaries, are you okay if I remove you? Talking to that space where it was removed from, for my own personal healing. And I have found it incredibly helpful to develop that loving and kind personified relationship with that part of my body. And, you know, some people might say, oh, that's just, you know, ridiculous. It's like, well, is it going to hurt anything with us having a loving and positive conversation with the parts of our body? I can't see how that would hurt anything. And so why not? You know, there's a few things that I just wanted to reiterate that you said, because it's been in a theme of so many of our Conscious Fertility podcasts. You talked, you used the word, there's a process of surrendering, that you can't force this, you can't control the how. And we're learning so much that when you try to force it, you create resistance. And in an electrical wire where there's resistance, the energy doesn't flow so well. And when you lower the resistance, the energy flows And these tools like your channeling or having a relationship with your ovaries, these are part of that surrendering process. They're tools that get you in the present moment, which puts you into flow and receptivity, which is what needs to happen for reproduction, for health, for everything is flow and receptivity. And sounds like one of these ideas is the tools that you're calling channeling, which to me is communicating with something um, greater than self, right? This consciousness, I'll call it the big C or, or you're, tap, you're, you're tapping into the cloud, right? You've got your uh, internet is connected. So you're able to download and tap into some wisdom. It's easy to say all this. First thing I thought of the women that I see when you said, check in to see if it's for your highest and best good. Well, I know they want this so badly that I think a lot of them won't ask because they don't want to hear another answer, right? They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear a no. They mm-hmm. don't want to hear a no. And so I guess what I want to share is it's simple, not easy. What you're sharing is simple to do. It's not easy, otherwise everybody would do it. There's a discipline, there's a practice to it. There's a practice into surrendering. There's a practice to get into that presence that you're sharing, um, that meditative state. Um, But I want to encourage our listeners that these tools do exist 
And then there are people putting scientific rigor behind it to measure it. People like Heleni with us today and in and, and her books that she has teaching us these these tools. So they are available to you. And Absolutely. so I just wanted to reiterate that part. Yeah. And I want to strengthen one point. I mean, it may not be easy to hear. I mean, it may be hard to hear, but what's the motivation for the wanting, you know? Is that coming from an ego personality place or is that coming from a detached loving place? Like I'm going to be a vehicle for this being to come into this world. It's not about me. And is it time for this to happen? And maybe it's not. And I know, I really know and have deep compassion and empathy for people who are on this path and it doesn't feel like it's working for them. So again, I don't want to sound like I'm being trite, but all the people that I've connected with, when they go down this personal growth path of looking at their underlying motivations for why they want what they do, it allows it to unravel and come to a place of greater surrender and ease. So I just wanted to highlight that again, what you just said. I think that's really an important piece. Thank you. And since we know because of institutes that you belong to, that there's a lot of scientific evidence for these psychic phenomena, the psi, these anomalies. Why do you think more people don't know about this? Why is this not mainstream? That is a great question. And I just thought of one thing before we jump into that, because you were talking about the trying. We have so much so many different studies looking at how intention affects the physical world. And I spoke to those a little bit, but one of them is where people go to the lab and direct their intention to something called quantum number generators. And I'm not going to get into that, but it's essentially a physical device. And so what they find is that when the person tries to affect this device, it doesn't work. When they're like, trying to force it actually like physically like zapping their intention to this thing. It doesn't work when they are in a very relaxed state with focused intention and visualize or in some other way, see the outcome. That's when it works the best. So all the how, like you said, we don't know the how, uh, when we try to force the how, the experiments don't work, uh, but when we just see the outcome we want, it unfolds. So there is evidence actually for this trying piece. So I just wanted to make sure I got that in there. And I'll add because so many manifestation techniques and authors that have written on this, and I talk about this in our podcast and those that see me in my clinic know that I call that step setting your GPS. So you're not setting how you're going to get there. You have to come as if you already have it. Come from, it's already there. So like you say, the trying is tr the how-to. Your, your intention is more about effort than intention. What you're sharing is your thinking of it already has happened. So it's it's there. And I always say that sub the subconscious doesn't know time. It's only in the now. And so if you keep thinking, I will or I want, then it keeps giving you, it's like the carrot in front of the animal. You never get there. You're always chasing it. Mm -hmm. You're always chasing it. And trying sounds like chasing it. You know, the most common acronym for the fertility journey, the common one is TTC, trying to conceive. We probably today, Helene, it's going to become ITC intending to conceive. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. <laughs>
<laughs> uh, and we'll we'll talk more about that at, at future episodes. Um, but there is a science behind manifestation. There is a science behind, as you're sharing, tapping into this consciousness or this big C. I don't know what we should call it. For now, we're going to call it consciousness. There's a way to do this and there's some tools out there and they're being studied. So thank you for doing that. And then let's follow up with that question is, since there's some evidence behind this and there's some scientific rigor, why don't we think more people know about this? I think um, there are so many taboos about it, and there's likely multiple reasons. One is that people who historically have demonstrated these skills have been killed. So, I mean, there are long, long periods of history where if I um, healed someone, I would be called a witch and burned at the stake. So, I obviously don't want that to happen. And today, there's still this fear of ostracized, being ostracized, or, you know, in academia, you could lose your tenure, etc. And below that, I think this concept of non-local consciousness or our consciousness going beyond the physical brain does not align with our dominant scientific paradigm, which is called materialism. So in materialism, the brain creates consciousness. Consciousness is a byproduct of the brain. How could the byproduct of a brain know about an archaeological site buried under the earth, right? How could it possibly know that? So these phenomenon are impossible according to a materialistic paradigm, but that's shifting quite a bit. And we're moving into a post-materialist paradigm as all these philosophers and theorists and then scientists actually find evidence that we are all entangled. Quantum physics has shown that consciousness is fundamental, being able to test that in some way, then materialism is going to fade out. Not that we can't you know, keep the benefits of it, but that it won't keep us in a box for these expanded potentials that we, many of us experience, but are afraid to talk about. So that was my huge motivation for writing my book. I wanted people, I mean, I got so many emails and calls and after talks. Thank you so much for sharing. I haven't shared this with anyone. I had this experience and I'm afraid to talk to people about it. I don't want people to be afraid to talk about it. I want it to be totally out in the open, transparent conversations. Most everybody has some sort of intuitive experience and let's start seeing how we can use it to help ourselves and to help the world. I mean, our world is so, I mean, there's so many issues that need help right now. What if we could actually channel information that would solve some of these issues? I mean, why not? Like, what could it hurt? I see the world in the shape it's in. The world, the outer world is a reflection of our inner world. So my responsibility is I need to heal my heart and mind because if the outer world is a reflection of my inner world, then I got some work to do. (laughs) (laughs) Got to take some accountability and responsibility. And that's why we're having this podcast is infertility has become their wake up call. And it brings them to one other thing to help optimize your fertility. So conscious work, which has, as you said, even if they don't have the baby, they have that sense of peace of mind and better joy in their life because of what comes from this practice, then there's there really is no downside. And I imagine it would make them better parents. Conscious fertility, conscious parents. Yeah. When and if the baby does come, then there's just a greater sense of awareness that is nurtured in the child. 
And just like you talk about taking up a relationship with your with yourself, in particular your ovaries and your uterus, a lot of times in my practice we do inner child work where they get to reparent themselves. So they get to parent before the baby arrives. And I believe in like attracts like that energy, that frequency. So if they're practiced at reparenting themselves, there's a vibration to that. And I think um, it fulfills them. And hopefully the baby comes along too because of that similar vibration. Now you've written the book, The Science of Channeling, Why You Should Trust Your Intuition and Embrace the Force That Connects Us All so people can learn more about these tools and techniques that we started to discuss today there. And then um, is there a way people can support or become part of the noetic sciences? Do you recommend that? Is there some information that you can share here where people know where to look to find out more about the research that you're doing on these anomalies and on um, healing? Absolutely. So if they go to uh, noetic.org, we have all of our peer-reviewed publications on there. We have blogs. We have free webinars on Fridays. Uh, We have ability to participate in research. I mentioned the noetic signature. We have an ongoing study where you can learn what your noetic signature is. Uh, We also have a study called teletelly.org where you can test out if you can um, know who's calling you before you pick up the phone. Awesome. All right. I want to thank you, Dr. Helene Wabe, for joining us today. I hope to have you back again in the near future and wishing everybody listening uh, good luck on your journeys. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. If you're looking for support to grow your family, contact AccuBalance Wellness Center. At AccuBalance, they help you reach your peak fertility potential through their integrative approach using low-level laser therapy, fertility acupuncture, and naturopathic medicine. Download the AccuBalance Fertility Diet and Dr. Brown's video for mastering manifestation and clearing subconscious blocks. Go to AccuBalance.ca, that's A-C-U-Balance.ca. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Conscious Fertility, the show that helps you receive life on purpose. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show and join the community of women and men on their path to peak fertility and choosing to live consciously on purpose. I would love to continue this conversation with you, so please direct message me on Instagram at Lauren Brown Official. That's Instagram, Lauren Brown Official. Or you can visit my websites, laurenbrown.com and acubalance.ca. Until the next episode, stay curious and for a few moments, bring your awareness to your heart center and breathe.